Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come and hopefully speak your words of truth this morning on worship. Lord, I ask that I would decrease and you would increase this morning, that if there's anything that I shouldn't be saying or anything that is something that I should be saying, that you would prompt my heart uh, this morning to say what is true according to your scriptures and your Holy Spirit. And I pray over this group of people um, that you would bless them, that you would give them a heart to understand and to go from this place changed. In your name, Jesus, amen. Well, I did ask Paul to speak for you today. We kind of had this conversation a couple months ago, and uh, I'm going to speak today on worship. I felt that was a, 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 an easy transition for me. Um, but before we get into what I want to say, I kind of want to get a few things straight uh, with you first. Um, the words that I speak today, I desperately need to hear myself, okay? Uh, this is something that, that isn't, that I, I, I am not coming to you from on high to bring the word down to where you live because I've accomplished it, I've got it all together. Um, that's, that's not true. I need help. Um, I need to learn to believe that what Jesus says is true all the time. And uh, so some of you and, and, and maybe many of you will have kind of gone further in this than I have, and that's okay. Um, and, and this is not just me being humble or me putting myself down. You know, this isn't one of those things. This is an honest assessment of where I'm at in my walk with God. Second, and the words that I have to bring today on worship, um, while I might not have it down, my heart is truly that I myself would have a walk with God that is true worship, and that you would have it too, okay? So even though I very often don't get it right, um, I don't understand my own need, I, I very often confuse what is real for, for what is fake, and I so often misunderstand worship and place God in a compartment in this little sliver of my life. That is not who I truly am. That is not my true self, and that is not who, if you've accepted Jesus, who you truly are either. Uh, so I, I desire to come to a place where I, I can't tell where I end and God begins, okay? And I pray for this for you as well. And, and finally, I hope that this message will challenge you just as it's challenged me. This isn't a practical message by any stretch of the imagination, so I don't want you to expect that this is five easy steps on how to worship, and they all start with W. This isn't, this isn't one of those messages. Alliteration is fine, but that's not for me, and that's not what this message is going to talk about. Um, actually, what I come to say is it's much, much harder than, than one message. Okay, Worship is not easy. And if you can leave with one thing today, if you can leave with one thing, I would say that the worship of God takes everything that we have, but it is worth it. It is worth it. What I come to talk to you about worship today is to tell you that in order to worship God, we must give every last part of ourselves over to him. We must give him our whole hearts, not just the part that's easy for us to give. 
loving, knowing, and worshiping God will be the hardest thing that we ever have to do. So if you can turn to Matthew 13, we're going to read, and I believe it's going to be up on the screen at some point, verses, we're going to start at the end of verse 43 and go through verse 46 today. Matthew 13, starting at the end of verse 43 through 46. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And Jesus starts out by saying, He who has ears, let him hear. So when I was in college, I led the music for uh, the junior high youth group at my church, and I also led a, a junior high boys small group. And I've had people, and by people I mean adults, come up to me and say, that's probably pretty hard to get them to worship, isn't it? And it's like, no, actually it's not. All right, because junior high are nothing if not passionate. Um, they come in, and they're all ready to worship. They're all ready to say, I love this movie. This movie was great. I love this video game. I love this girl. I love this fill-in-the-blank. They're just full of excitement. So they would literally come in, and this is no joke. They would say, oh, my gosh, there's this movie that I saw, and it had the guns, and he was like, and they threw the knife, and it went to his head, and then the guy exploded, and there was blood everywhere. It's so awesome. High five. That's... That is my, if I can sum up my experience with junior hires, that is the junior hires. No, and so when you get to adults, they're much, you know, much more refined in their praise. They're much more reserved. Did you see that football game? He threw the ball and he touched it and it was like, touchdown! Woo! And then he got it and he ran it. And did you see the Blackhawks game when they won the World Cup? In the last one minute and 30 half, they scored the goal and he was like, oh my gosh. And the guy got in a fight and there was blood everywhere. High five! Boom! I have a little bit more harder of a time impersonating, uh, impersonating women, I think. Um, but I'm going to give it a shot. So, and this uh, has mostly been from watching my wife. So it's like, <laughs> can you believe that Jane Austen novel? Pride and Prejudice like Mr. Darcy. Miss Bennett. Mr. Darcy. Miss Bennett. Mr. Darcy. Jane Austen has the best dialogue ever. Did you see Pinterest and the Halloween decorations? You can add red dye to this one thing and it can make fake blood everywhere. <laughs> High fives all around. So it's easy for us to praise. It is. God says that God, and, and there's a reason for this. It's not just for a silly demonstration. It's because God created us to worship things. God created us to pray. We are not lacking in passion. What we are lacking in is oftentimes direction. And a lot, of, a lot of you will say, well, this is just talking about stuff. That's not talking about worship. We're not worshiping these things. We're not worshiping a movie or, or, or whatever, or, you know, a novel or whatever it is. But, but how often do you hear someone more excited, Christians more excited about the movies they've seen? When was the last time you heard someone talk about God the way that they talk about their favorite movie? or their favorite book, or their favorite friend, or hanging out. It's a, it's a little bit different. So yeah, it is different, but it's so often that we have more passion for the things that 
don't really matter when it comes to God. So my point is this. We all worship something. We were made to worship. It's just a little off. There's a reason there, there is um, there's purpose and that the first commandment is this. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth below or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God had a purpose in putting that commandment on adultery first. He did this because when he created us, again, he placed in us an innate desire to worship something, to be in awe of something. When sin entered the world, our very natures were corrupted, and so that worship was also corrupted, to where we went from desiring only God or, or God was at top to desiring other things to replace God. C.S. Lewis says this, I have never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless, sometimes even if, shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, Walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. And what Lewis is saying there is that there is so much praise in our hearts. It seems to just kind of bubble forth. I, and that's why I love deleting worship sometimes for junior hires is because if you could direct them, if you could, if you could just point them, they are extremely, extremely passionate. It just seems to, to just bubble right out of them. Human beings are made to praise. And even things that sometimes seem small and insignificant, you will find someone that likes it. You will find someone that, that praises it. I had a pastor give this uh, challenge that I'm going to give to you today uh, one time. And he said, after church today, what if I told you to go home and watch TV for two hours? All right. That's the response I was looking for, actually. But not actually, but that's convenient. It helps my point. Uh, <laughs> or I want you to go home and spend time on the Internet, get your Facebook and Pinterest on for two whole hours. Or I want you to go home and spend time with your friends for two hours straight. No breaks. Or you can work, or you can read, or you can work out, or play video games, or do nothing, or nap, whatever, whatever it is. got to go home. Just go home and do it for two hours. This is, this is from the pulpit here that we're telling you. But, but what if I told you to go home and worship God for two hours straight? No breaks. It's a little bit more difficult, for me at least. I mean, shoot, that's why we go to church. We get worship done, and then we go home, and we get to do whatever we want. Or at least that's sometimes my mentality, and I don't think I'm alone in that. 
So the problem, the crux of the matter is, we have a desire to worship. But it is not always God. And when that happens, it leads to death. So Paul puts it this way. We really only have two choices. He says in Romans 6, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Because worship starts with what we treasure. That's where worship begins. So if we have an innate desire to worship something, and which is what we do, we are all made to worship, then, then what do we worship? And, and what is worship? I, I, I've been leading worship for over 12 years, and, and I say leading worship because I'm really leading music, but that's, it's more easy if I say it's leading worship. And, and during this time, the definition of worship has become harder and harder for me to come up with. It's, it's very difficult for me. I, I kind of think it's, it's, at some point, it's something that we're in awe of and something that we praise and then also something that we serve. Um, so if you combine those things. And in the Old Testament, sacrifice and worship were very much enmeshed. It took something to worship. In, in this Matthew passage, he says the, the phrase... Uh, kingdom of heaven, um, and he talks about the treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is described as something that is of very great worth. It is something to be treasured above all things and therefore worthy of worship. And it has a, the, king, the phrase kingdom of heaven has a lot of theological meaning behind it that I'm not going to really get into today, but suffice it to say that it is, it is what we should most desire on earth. Is, is the kingdom of heaven. That is what we should most desire, and that is um, and, and, and that is what is to be worshipped. And Jesus says it like this in John 17. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus says that worship is to know God, eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, and, and these, are, these are things that, that to know God is what worship is coupled with. We can't worship God without, know, without getting to know him. We can't know him completely. Um, but that's what worship is. And I, I've intentionally left out verses that specifically mention the word worship today. And I did that for a purpose. Um, not that these verses aren't important to the concept of worship. They, they really are. Uh, but I, I do know that we have also heard them a lot. Um, and very often I have found myself... Uh, thinking that worship is something separate from seeking to know God. That it is, it is a, it gets confused with singing or praying um, or lifting your hands up. This is worship. I don't know how this started to be worship, but this is worship, just so you know. Or this, you can do this. Or the, There's a lot of hand motions in worship at church. I, I don't know. And, and those are a part of what worship is, but it's not the completeness of it. And, and if you get a special feeling after a song, I don't know how many of you have gotten a special feeling where you just kind of feel good. It's like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. It's like, that's also, once again, that can be a part of worship, but that's, that's not worship. A feeling isn't worship. 
Worship is not something that happens to us. It's not something that we just come upon or, or we stumble upon or, or just that we even participate in. There's a song that it's called, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to do this song here because it bothers me. Um, I, I know it can be interpreted differently, but it's called Come Now is the Time to Worship. You know, come now is the time to worship. It's very catchy. Um, but it's, we're not going to do it because it frustrates me that, that it, it implies that, well, now is the time to worship, and before and after, those, were, those weren't really times to worship. That's like saying, come, now is the time to start breathing, or come, now is the time for your heart to beat, but later we're going to have a, a nice break from breathing. Well, that doesn't make sense because you're going to die otherwise. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not... That's not what worship is. Worship isn't a time that we come and, and we have a worship time. Yes, it can, and, and, and it should be incorporated. So when we sing up here, when we sing, worship happens in music when we have, the whole week, we have been worshiping God. And we come here and together, there is no other way except singing and offering praises to God. That's the only thing left. That's the only thing we haven't tried so far this week and, and we just want to. We just want to come. And, and there's this a part of us that's like, ah, oh, I need something else. I need some other way to come and worship you because I, I am so in love with you this week, God, that I, I just need to, to do something. And God created music to be special. And he created us to sing it together because when we are worshiping God individually and corporately as a group and we come together to sing, that is a part, that is a piece of what heaven is going to be like. I believe. But it is not a worship time. It is not the time where we are coming to worship. And I know I've said this before, so I don't necessarily want to spend more time on it, but it is important. Worship starts, it starts not at church, not in singing, but it starts with what we value. It starts with what we treasure most. If we treasure money, then that's what we're going to worship. If we treasure prestige, then that's what we're going to end up worshiping. If we desire power or love or sex or entertainment or being comfortable, then that's, that's what we're going to end up worshiping. And I think our lives so often reflect that. At least mine does. Jesus says again in Matthew 6 that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In that specific, specific instance, he was referring to money, but it applies to all those things else. If we're, if we're serving something that's taking up our devotion, we're not worshiping God. It's not happening. And then, and then when we come to church, it's going to feel a little bit dull or boring or like questioning, why do we even do this? Why are we even singing? Let's get to the message. You know, like, not worry about the singing. It's very easy to think that worship is a specific time or place. Uh, Satan has really, I think, tricked us into thinking and tricked uh, churches into believing that you can compartmentalize worship. You can make it a time. Just like you have, a, you have a time for work, you have a time to relax, you have a time to go to school, you have a time to worship. And that's just not true. Idolatry is the corruption of worship, worshiping God and to worshiping anything else besides God. And it's very tricky because some of the things that we end up worshiping are not bad things. They're not sinful things. 
TV isn't bad. You know, it's not sinful in and of itself. Money isn't sinful in and of itself. Family isn't sinful in and of itself. But when these things take the place of God, they are very sinful. They need to be purged. They need to be replaced with what is most important. Satan has gone to a lot of work to trick us to worship idols. And and God warns us in the first commandment against idolatry. It is because both Satan and God know that worshiping God, the way he has designed us to worship, is so good for us. It is so good for us. When we worship God, that means that we treasure him above everything else. Because worship is demonstrated when we care about the object of worship above everything. So that again, worship is demonstrated when we care about the object above everything else. So let's get back to Matthew. When Jesus told this story and compared the kingdom of heaven to a treasure and a fine pearl, he did not have these two people acquire these things very easily. This was not something that was simple or um, uh, it w- wasn't cheap. No, it was exactly the opposite. Both men, in order to acquire these treasures, went and sold everything they had. And this demonstrates two very important facts. One is that these treasures were extremely costly. And the second is that they were much more valuable than what they had before. And, and these facts seem very similar to, to each other. And they are related to each other. But the costliness of the treasure, how much, it, uh, how much it costs, refers to what it took to buy it. What it costs. And the value refers to its innate worth. So these men gave all they had in order to acquire the treasure. He sells all that he has and buys that field. He went and sold all that he had and bought the pearl. They gave everything. Again, they they gave everything that they had. I'll say that again. They gave everything that they had. Everything. It cost them everything. In essence, they, they worshipped what this treasure was. So what does this mean for us? What, what is it going to cost us to truly worship to truly worship Jesus? And did you know that in every book of the New Testament, at some point there is a part about how Christians will suffer? Every single one. I, I, I thought that was very interesting. I, don't, I wish I had time to, to kind of go through them all now, but I don't. But Jesus asked the rich young ruler to sell all that he had and give it to the poor. And he couldn't do it. Jesus said he came to bring not peace, but the sword. And, then, and Jesus also said he came to set us against family members. When we choose to give our lives to Jesus, to, de- to dedicate ourselves to worship, We are saying that we will give all that we have to follow him. Jesus calls for us to take up our cross daily. And that as the world rejected him, so will it reject us. To worship God, we are called to give up ourselves to what the Holy Spirit calls us to do, where he calls us to go, and how he calls us to live. You guys, worship is so hard. 
Please know, too, that this is, this is not talking about acquiring salvation. Uh, Paul talks about this almost every week, and almost every week I need a reminder about how my righteousness, our righteousness, is like filthy rags. So the best day that we have, the absolute best day when we're firing all cylinders, we are listening to the Holy Spirit, we are in very close communion with God, those things in and of themselves are like nothing. They're dirty. They're tainted. It, when we even, even our worship, I, I would tell the junior hires this, and, and that even our worship, we don't, we don't deserve to worship God. We don't deserve to praise God. So we don't even, we're not even worthy of that, to say you are so good. That, that is, we don't deserve it. It's not our right. It's a privilege that we have as children of God. I can do, and we can do no good on our own. We cannot worship on our own. Salvation is from God alone, by grace through faith. But Jesus says that what he did, he did what none of us could do. He did the impossible. We're called to do what to the world would be intolerable. We're called to worship God, and that is hard. So why do we do it? Right? What is God offering in return? You know, like, it doesn't, if God's calling us to suffer, and I, I just want to spend a little bit more time on that because I don't think truly the American church has a really big problem with us because we're so wealthy. We live in a country that has a lot of wealth, and even the poorest of us are doing better than most of the world. I know not of a, a lot of I know a lot of us are, are sometimes struggling with money and finances and we don't get we don't we don't always have a lot. But please remember that if you have like three meals a day, clothes to wear, and a, and a place to live, we're we're wealthier than seventy five percent of the entire world. So it's very difficult for us to understand what suffering and how that comes into it. It's very difficult for me. Um, and to say that, okay, taking up my cross daily, what does that look like here in, in America, in the western suburbs of Chicago? It's, it's just very difficult. But God is calling us to do it. Why worship God knowing that, the, that he promises us that we must give up ourselves? Why do it? And if you look back in, at the... At, that the two parables, it's because of the innate value of what they were getting was so much better than what they had. These people enjoy. The first person says he covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything. In his joy, he was so happy to do it. He was joyful. He was happy. God says to try him. He calls us to taste and see that he is good, that he is more and greater and deeper and better than anything else in this world we could have. He has given us eternal life, and he has given us abundant life. And this is not just living forever, ever, but true life in relationship with God. He has offered us restoration. He has given us every blessing on earth, and he has given us all authority under his name and the chance to be part of his good plan. He has given us freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And while we were yet dead, he offered us life. 
and so much more. He's promised us a new name that only he knows, new bodies and treasures in heaven. That is why when we truly worship God, when we have truly seen who he is, we will say, yes, I see all this stuff, all the cars and the houses and the stuff and the things. It's over here. Yes, I see it. I have it. Thank you, but if it gets in the way of me getting to you, God, take it. Take it away. I don't want it anymore. You can have it. Just take it. Strip it from me. Bring me back to nothing so I can have you, Jesus. All these things that are there. If it takes takes my health, take it. If it takes my life, take it. If it takes my family, I love my family. But if, if they're getting in the way, if I care more about them than I do about you, Jesus. Please do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes so I can worship you in spirit and in truth because that is what is worth something in this life. Your blessings are good, Jesus, but they are not you. If they get in the way, when we are worshiping God, when we are getting to know God, these, this is how we'll act. I, I don't do this. And remember, I this isn't something I've accomplished by any stretch of the imagination. But this is my desire for me and for all of us. To get to a place where we can say, I don't want this for, to me, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Worship of God takes everything we have, but it is so worth it. So what is it that we treasure? What is getting in the way? How has Satan tricked us into compartmentalizing worship, into worshiping small things? Idols, really. As I wrap up here, I want to point out that Jesus starts these parables. For he who has ears, let him hear. These are the same words he gives to the churches in Revelation. It's so easy for me. It would be so easy for me to go home and praise God that, yay, I got to speak and we had a good sermon today and a good message and I'd have a good feeling and, and then I would go and continue on with lukewarm worship. And I pray against that for myself. I pray against that because when, when we're talking about lukewarm worship, In Revelation, God has some very bad things to say. He says, I'm going to spit them out of my mouth. He calls them blind and deaf and poor. And if you look in Scripture, that type of group, you do not want to be coupled in that group. I don't want to be. So I I did tell you that this is not a very practical message. This is not a five steps on how to worship God, all starting with W. The very simple reason for that is I cannot tell you how to worship. I cannot. When you are getting to know God, real worship of God as greatest will follow you. You can't tell me how to best love my wife. Why? Because I know her. I'm in a relationship with her. There's certain patterns and there's certain things that, yeah, you can, you can help me, but I'm the one that knows her the best. I'm the one that knows how it takes what it takes to, to truly serve her and honor her. I know her. I'm in a relationship with her. So for me to stand up and say, well, I'm going to tell you how to worship God, that doesn't make any sense because 
Because it's your relationship with God, right? You're going to know God, and he's going to ask you to do something. He's going to say, he's going to prompt you. He's going to lead you. And that's where worship of God will come from. It's not a formula. The Holy Spirit will ask you of things that you would have never thought. And because you have placed God as Lord, your worship will coincide with your willingness to do what God is asking you. Because doing that, what, doing what he wants, will, will lead to be, you becoming more like Jesus and knowing him more. And, and your worship of God will grow deeper and deeper as God reveals more of himself to you. So it becomes self-perpetuating. You, you release your desires and your want of, of whatever it is to God and say, I'm going to follow you wherever it takes, whether that means selling my house and moving wherever you want, whether that means um, going and talking to someone in, at great personal risk to myself. And, and in America, that generally means they're going to make fun of you or they're going to maybe up to, like, they're going to they're, they're ostracize you. But in some places of the world, that means, that means physical pain and death. I can't tell you how to do that. It's, it's going to be self-perpetuating. And just as the man who sold everything in, he didn't enjoy. And so when we truly get to know God, as we're getting to know him, it's not going to be that bad. Because, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be times when we're like, I really don't want to do this. But that's where trust comes in. When you trust God, then his way is better, you're saying, okay, I trust you, even though right now I really don't believe what you say is true, because that's, when, when we don't do what God wants, that's really what we're saying. Uh, we don't really believe that what God's, God is saying is true. We don't believe that it's best. We're going to do it our own way. Um, but trust is, is saying, even though, even though I don't believe you right now, I'm going to do what you say anyways, because I know that it is best. And I can't, I can't tell you how to leave here and worship, um, but, but I do know where to start. You can start in time spent in reflection, confession, and repentance. I'm going to read to you a song called Clear the Stage. I, I've sung it here uh, maybe a couple years ago. Um, it's one of the most impactful songs in my life. Um, I want you to listen to the words as I read it, and then Mark will come up here and sing it. Uh, the words will be up on the screen, I think, uh, if you guys want to read along. But I would encourage you to take this time as a time of prayer. To pray that, that God will bring a desire in our hearts for a worship that takes all we have in order to give us what we cannot earn for ourselves. So I'm going to read this song now. So says, clear the stage and set the sounds and lights ablaze if that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Chuck the pews and all the decorations too until the congregation's few then have revival. Tell your friends that this is where the party ends until you're broken from your sins. You can't be social. Then seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store, and know that great is your reward. Because you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can sing all you want to, and don't get me wrong, worship is more than a song. 
take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. Beg him, please, to open up his mouth and speak and pray for real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your lives until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken. Because anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything that I give all my love is an idol. So we must not worship something that's not even worth it. So clear the stage. Make some space for the one who deserves it. Because I can sing all I want to. I can sing all I want to and still get it wrong. Because worship is more than a song. I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend some time in reflection. Lord Jesus, I ask that if anything I said was not of you, that you would allow us to forget it. That you would create a permanence in our heart for a desire of worshiping you in, in truth and in your spirit. And I ask that today, as we spend just a few minutes, God, that you can start a fire in our hearts a desire that will not be quenched by the things that distract us, that we will fix our eyes on you, Jesus, to avoid the sin that so easily entangles us. And as we leave from here today, that, that we can go with a greater desire to seek and put ourselves into positions where we may suffer for your sake in order that we can be more like you, Jesus, and experience true worship, and not just a a song or a good feeling, but a relationship of worship with you, Jesus. I pray this for myself, for my wife, for my family, for for my church. In your name, Jesus, amen. Clear the stage and set the sound and the lights ablaze If that's the measure you must take to cross the idols Jerk the pews and all the decorations too Until the congregation's fueling half revival Tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you're broken for your sins You can't be social And seek the Lord and wait for what He has in store And know that great is your reward So just be hopeful Cause you can sing all you want to Yes, you can Sing all you want to You can sing all you want to And still get it wrong Oh, worship is more than a song
back from all the plans that you have made And sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper I beg him please to open up his mouth and speak And pray for real upon your knees until they blister Shine the light on every corner of your life Until the pride and lust and lies are in the open Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard Until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken Cause you can sing all you want to Yes you can Sing all you want to Is more than a song. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. You clear the stage, make some space for the one who deserves it. Before my God is an idol And anything I want with all my heart is an idol And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol Anything that I give all my love is an idol Cause I can sing all I want to, yes I can Sing all I want to That's the measure you must take to crush the idols. 